Well, good evening. It is good to be with you, and it's good that we are here together. I want to say a special thank you to Phil for the prayer he offered. I really appreciate you know, him mentioning uh, Leland and I by name, as well as our wives and the work that we do together. You know, we, our effectiveness is greatly amplified for good by the service they render and their investment, you know, not only in a support to us as their husbands and brothers in Christ, but also you know, their investment and energy in just the work of the Lord themselves. And so thank you, Phil, you know, for that very personal note. We need those prayers. In Revelation chapter 19, in verse 9, we read, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The Holy Beloved Fellowship, uh, that union of the Lamb of God with God's redeemed people, it described in the scriptures you know, both as a marriage as well as a marriage feast. And the blessing that comes with this spiritual invitation implies that these beneficiaries, those who are blessed, they've accepted the invitation and they are participating in that invitation as well. In a general way, you think about the subject of an invitation. You know, you've been invited to attend to some special occasion with good people, and you recognize that is such an honor for you. You know, that is a privilege that you have been invited to participate and share on this good occasion, this joyous event. And so, therefore, you know, you look at that as not as an obligation, but really as a privilege because it is such an honor to be included in something like that. And so clearly when you accept an invitation, it should not be done so with drudgery. Oh, no, I have to go to this thing. Definitely that's not the attitude that we should have when we have been invited to something that is good. But tonight I'm going to look at the subject of invitation a little bit differently, not so much at the recipient of it, but rather as recipients of the Lord's invitation that we need to be busy inviting others. We need to be going out, inviting people to the Lord. And so let us start with looking at God himself. God calls all men, he calls everybody to partake of the blessings of his redemption. That redemption that is made available to us because his son is the lamb that atones for our sins. Now, the word call or the word invite, depending on your version, you may, may have the word bid, you know, it's the same Greek word. And so in other places where, you know, you might have the word call and different places you might have to invite, it's the same word. It simply means to summon. And so it can be used very specifically and it can be used in a very broad sense. Our English word invite has some variations to that idea of bidding or someone, summoning somebody. We clearly understand that we see an invitation as a kind, courteous way to, uh, to ask somebody to come somewhere or to go do something. It's a request of some kind, and sometimes it even comes with a little bit of enticement with it. God calls us. 
Jehovah God has called you and me. In Romans 8, it talks about these whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. God has called us. And he's called us into the fellowship of his son. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 9, he says, God is faithful through whom you were called. Now, that's the, you could say, you were invited. It's the same word. You know, so God has called you, he's invited you, and he's called and invited you into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that invitation from God also includes the fact that you are called into his kingdom and into his glory. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 12 says, walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you, where? He calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Not only has God invited you and called you into the fellowship of his son, the fellowship and the union of the lamb, he has also called you into his kingdom. And he's called you into his glory. And he has done so and is still doing so through the gospel. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 14, he says, It was for this he called you through our gospel that you may gain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God has invited, God has called everyone to come and join this feast, this union, this fellowship that is made available to us in Jesus Christ. And so everybody has access through the gospel to this invitation. But everyone doesn't answer it. Everyone doesn't come, everyone doesn't turn. Now, Jesus himself, throughout his ministry, likewise called or invited souls to come to him, to draw near and follow him. For example, John 8 is actually an invitation. You know, when he says, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. He's inviting us to be his disciple, to be his true and genuine follower. And he says, now there is an expectation here. There's a condition. He says, if you continue, then you are mine and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Another example of an invitation of Jesus Christ is found in Mark 8. Mark 8, when Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he says, you must deny him, you must, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Those are invitations. Jesus is calling. He is inviting. He is summoning us into this fellowship and this union with him where we enter the kingdom, we partake of glory, and we partake of God's goodness. Perhaps the most famous written and recorded invitation is found in Matthew 11, where Jesus himself says to an audience, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So both God the Father through the Son and Jesus Christ himself were in the business of sending out invitations to the world and saying, come to me, come to my feast, come to the marriage of the Lamb. 
But the rest of our lesson, I want to focus on two chapters where we are given parables that relate to the subject of invitations. So turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22, where Jesus himself compared his kingdom, the heavenly kingdom, to a marriage feast. And we're going to take the time to read this parable. So open your Bibles to Matthew 22, verses 1 through verse 14. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king, a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out his slaves to call, to invite, those who had been invited to the wedding feast, and they were unwilling to come. Again, he sent out other slaves saying, tell those who have been invited, behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fattened livestock are all butchered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their way, one to his own farm, another to his business, and the rest seized his slaves and mistreated them and killed them. But the king was enraged, and he sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go, therefore, to the main highways, as many as you find there, invite to the wedding feast. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all they found, both evil and good, and the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came in to look over the dinner guests, he saw a man there who was not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And the man was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. So I want us to focus in on this, on this parable and, and look at what do we learn about inviting people. What about the Lord's invitation? Do, what, what do we need to know about the Lord's invitation? Well, first of all, I think you know, that kind of comes to mind is the fact that kingdom business requires invitations. You thought about that? The business of the kingdom in, requires invitations. The king sent invitations out to come and share in the celebration. Offers to participate in the affairs of the king. Offers to to participate in the affairs with the king is done by asking people to come. It's by requesting and summoning, and maybe even at times compelling others to join, but it is not by physical force. It is not by military might. Jesus' kingdom is is of a totally different nature. It is spiritual, it's heavenly. Jesus Jesus himself said, my kingdom is not of this world, even though we're called to share in his fellowship and be citizens of the kingdom, but we're called out of the world, and yet we are still living here as long as we have breath. So when it comes to the business of king, it does require invitations to join the king. In his celebration. Secondly, there is this idea that God, it, this is God's invitation. 
God is inviting, God is doing the calling, and his invitation, though, can be ignored. Even though this is God sending out this invitation out to all of mankind, to all of humanity, God gives free will beings the choice to decide if they want to accept the invitation or not. They can ignore it, they can refuse it, and this parable brings that out. Invitations went out, and they said, oh, you know, I don't want to come now. I've got this reason or that reason, whatever. And so they reject the invitation. God gives, the king gives those image bearers that opportunity to choose. Every person chooses how he or she will react to the, what the Lord says, what the Lord invites you to participate in. But every choice and every action, though, has consequences. And you see that in the parable. You see, they could choose to say no when the time was ready, but there would be consequences to that. God is seeking willing hearts. God is seeking searching hearts. God is seeking good and honest hearts who want God in their life. And so he sends out the invitation. He asks people, he requests, he summons people to come and be part of this great celebration, this great union, this great fellowship with him and his son, but he's not going to force it, and people have the opportunity to reject that. But the invitation still has to be delivered. It's God's invitation. This is God's call. This is God's invitation. And God's servants are messengers. They are are God's servants. They are God's messengers. But the invitation has to be delivered somehow. That's what the parable is telling us here. The king is not the one delivering it personally. It's his servants that are going out. So he sends his servants out to deliver the invitation We, as God's people in Christ, we are vessels of God. And we are vessels of God who are to be busy carrying this invitation of the Lord to others. We are the servants, in a sense, taking the message out, trying to tell, hey, the, the, the celebration is ready. Come to the feast. And so that means that, you know, we we have to ask people to come. We have, to, we have to ask people to you know, worship with us. We have to ask people to study with us, but you've got to ask. You've got to ask people. That invitation has to be delivered. It's God's invitation, and we are the vessel, and the king says, go and invite. Go out there and invite people. They can say no. That's not, that's not, that's not your responsibility. That's not your fault. If you invited them, they have the choice to say yay or nay to that. But we need to be going out, asking people, sharing the invitation with others. You're using the church business card is simply a tool to help you. Yeah. That's all this is. It's just a simple tool and you have something in your hand that you can hand to them when you do ask. But the point is you still have to invite. You hand them the business card, but you, you need to say something. <laughs> yeah, you've got, you've got to invite. You've got to ask people, hey, you know, 
come worship with me sometime. You know, whatever you choose to say at the moment, you know, you, you, you're the one who needs to deliver it, and you can use the business card to help you do that. But the business card is not the invitation. <laughs> you know, that, that, that's, just, you know, that's just a tool, a help. You, know, you are the inviter. You know, sometime back we talked about the importance of prayer in the work of evangelism. So yes, you know, pray about inviting people. Pray about this. Pray about evangelism. Pray about inviting people. Pray you know, about those you know about. After you pray, what do you do with it? What you do is you go invite now. Pray, yes. Rely on God. But that alone is not what you're called to do. <laughs> pray and then go. Pray and invite somebody. Now, the invitation, as you go back here to, to the parable, the invitation is designed to try to stir up interest. You think about you know, how the king, when he sends out you know, you know, you know, the announcement, hey, it's ready, it's ready, and he describes it in verse, 20, in verse 4. You know, there in, in the 22nd chapter, verse 4, he talked about, hey, you know, the, the meal is all ready. Let me, let, me, let me tell you what I've done. He said, I've got the, I've got the oxen butchered. I've got the fattened life. So, you know, hey, it, it's, it's going to be great. You know, what is he doing there? He's trying to stir up interest you know, in the minds and the hearts of those he's inviting. You can do the same thing. Now, you're not describing how you butchered a cow and you got a big meal spread on your table. But what can you do? How can you, how can you stir up interest, create a sense of desire to come and study or to come and worship with you? And the thing is, what has the king done for you? This is personal. What has the king done for you? Has he done something for you? Yes, you better believe he's done something for you. He's done something for each and every one of us. Can you tell somebody what the king has done for you? you know, can, how has the king, you know, how has he made your life better? Has he? Has, has he made your life better? It should. It should have made your life better in some way or another. Yeah. And how he's improved your life specifically may be a little bit different than how someone improves someone else's life specifically. Yeah. But if we have come to the Lord and we are, if we are partaking and participating in this great union and harmony we have with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, we are beneficiaries of heavenly and spiritual blessings that surpass things in this world. And so what are some of those blessings you are reaping? You can tell people that. You don't, you don't have to you know, be able to quote the entire Bible to invite somebody to church. You, know, you don't have to you know, be able to you know, you know, you know, get, you know, present to them this long lectured lesson yeah, to invite them to study the Bible or read the Bible with you. Go and invite. And as you do so, tell them. Tell them how you've been impacted, how you've been changed, 
and how your life is better because of Jesus, because of how much your father loves you in spite of your past. He loves us that much that he's willing to send his son to bear our sins and atone for them on a cross. In this parable, clearly we see that God extends that invitation to everyone, to everybody. And so it's it's the same in your life as well. Whoever you meet, you know, whoever you interact with, it doesn't matter who they are, that person that you meet or interact with has suddenly become an opportunity for you simply to, to invite them to come. Come to the Lord. Come share in worship with me. And yet this parable ends with this bullet point, and that is acceptance of the king's invitation. Acceptance of the king's invitation does come with requirements of propriety. There's a proper way to come, and there's an improper way to come to the king. And we see that in this parable, particularly when you think about the idea here of the acceptable and the unacceptable attire, you know, in verses you know, 11 you know, you know, through 13, the king sees, looks over you know, this crowd of people, and he sees someone who is not clothed appropriately for this great wedding feast in, of the king's son. And so he addresses that concern and that problem. Are we clothed? Are we clothed with Jesus? Are we clothed properly with Christ? Are we adorning our lives with with God's righteousness and holiness? Yes, everyone must everyone's invited. And we are messengers of that invitation. And we're to spread it everywhere we go. But, you know, this you know, there is this, you know, kind of caveat that you know, basically when we come to the Lord, to receive the blessings in the Lord, they are expectations and they are conditions and they are commandments that we must submit to in obedience to the king. Let's look at one more passage. As we think about the idea of invitations on the subject of evangelizing the world. In Luke 14, that's our second text for tonight, and so we'll be finishing up in this chapter. In Luke 14, there's a, there's a number of different things that Jesus addresses in this chapter, and we're just going to look at two main sections of the text. But what we have here is, particularly in this context, where Jesus is now beginning to address some possible problematic attitudes associated with kingdom invitations. Clearly, there, there is this responsibility and there, there is this opportunity that we are to take and we are to invite people to the Lord. We are to call people to Jesus Christ. On this particular occasion in Luke 14, you note there in verse 1, Luke 14, verse 1, it happened that when he went into the house of one of the leaders of the Pharisees on the Sabbath to eat bread, they were watching him closely. So that's the backdrop of what will transpire in this chapter. And we're not going to cover the whole chapter this evening. 
But there he is in the home of this Pharisee, a leader among the Pharisees, on the Sabbath day, sharing a meal with, you know, with them. Dropping now down to verse 12, verse 12, he, he turns his you know, thoughts and his words, particularly to the man that invited him, the Pharisee. In verse 12, it says, he also went on to say to, to the one who had invited him, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you in return, and that will be your repayment. But when you give a reception, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed since they do not have the means to repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. What an interesting lesson here. And the point I simply want to draw out and apply is this. To, the, to this man that is the inviter on this occasion. So here's the Pharisees invited Jesus and others, you know, into his home to share, the, share a meal on the Sabbath day. To that inviter, notice what you know, Jesus says. He says, when you invite someone, don't invite these folks over here. Rather, you need to invite these, you invite these other folks. Look at the two groups here. Look, you know, look, look at the, the two different groups that Jesus describes. Because basically he's saying to the Pharisee, this spiritual leader says, you need to be inviting people outside of your circle. You need to be inviting people who are not your acquaintances. That's who you need to be inviting into this kind of feast. And the lesson is true for us as well. You think about the business of taking kingdom invitations to the world. You know, we need to understand we need to go outside of our comfort zone. You know, not just those that we're comfortable with and, you know, you know, I already know this person or that person. We need to be willing to go outside our comfort zone because it's not about how well this person relates to me. Oh, I think I could get along with that person, so I'm going to invite that person. You know, it has nothing to do with us, in a sense. You know, it's not about how that person relates to me or how that person may be benefited by, you know, I may be benefited by their company. You know, I think, you know, we could really, you know, we could really become really good friends. Well, and Jesus says, that's not, you know, that's what you need to be thinking about here. You're, you're, you're thinking it in the wrong way. He says, no, instead, you need to invite those folks you know, that are outside your normal circle. And he talks about all these other folks, the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, because they can't repay you. They can't repay you. You invite the invitee because the invitee needs inviting. That's what we need to be doing. We need to go outside our, our comfort zone and ask people, you know, to come to the Lord. You know, to, 
come to worship with us, you know, to, to extend that invitation to call them to share in the blessings that you and I are so richly enjoying. Let's look at another portion of this chapter. In the next section, you know, picking up at verse 15, I'm going to read verse 15 again and then read through 24. He says, when one of those who were reclining at the table with him heard this, so, he, you know, so this guy really likes what Jesus said to the Pharisee. You know, he says, and so he said, you know, he said to, so he says to Jesus, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom. So he is just, wow, that's good. That's good stuff. But notice what verse 16 says. But he said to him, See that? In verse 12, Jesus says to the Pharisee who invited him to his home, he says, okay, you need to kind of think differently. You know, I, I've been blessed to come to your home. He says, you need to start going outside your circle and inviting others to share. And now he says to this, the person, you think, wow, that's, that's, that's really good stuff, Jesus. You know, I really like what you said about, you know, hey, you need to invite, you know, all these other people too, how blessed they are who will be able to eat bread in your kingdom. And so Jesus now turns to this second guy. And he said to him, a man was giving a big dinner and he invited many. And at the dinner hour, he sent his slave to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is ready now. Very similar to Matthew's account, you know, but it's not the exact same you know, situation or parable. He says, come for everything is ready now. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I have bought a piece of land and I need to go out and look at it. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. Please consider me excused. And another one said, I've married a wife and for that reason I cannot come. And the, slave, and the slave came back and reported this to his master. Then the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the slave said, master, what you commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the slave, go out into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of... Those men who are invited shall taste of my dinner. So you want to make two quick points and the lesson will be yours. The first one is this, is the, the blessed in the kingdom are not the people whom you necessarily expect to be in the kingdom. The blessed in the kingdom are not the people whom you necessarily expect to be in the kingdom. Once again, you've got people who are invited, but they, they refuse. And so they, they're not part of it. But then you have these others who, who are kind of like, okay, now you're, 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 you're the second invitation. You know, you're, you're not in the first group. You're in the second group. You know? And you, and you think about that, and those are the ones who came. The first group didn't come. The ones you thought would come, the ones you initially invited, they didn't come. It's the second group that comes. Now, Jesus says there will be lots of people who will make excuses for refusing the invitation. And, of course, the point here relates to the kingdom. It relates to Christ. 
People make all kinds of excuses for why they cannot do this or cannot do that. And they may, and their reason may be shared. It may, they may say openly. They may, they may keep it silent. But don't let that, don't let their rejection dampen your zeal to keep inviting. There will be people who will say no to you. Yeah. We shouldn't be surprised because they said no, they said no to the Lord himself. They said no to the Lord and to his face. So we shouldn't be surprised they would say no to us who are simply vessels of the Lord. We are not the Lord. We're simply redeemed souls, servants of the king, you know, taking the message out and trying to invite people to come and learn of Jesus. And we, we shouldn't allow this to dampen our spirits to keep on inviting even when, you know, maybe we feel like uh, no one is coming, nobody invite ever comes. Maybe that's how we feel. But the point is, but you have something good to offer. You have something worthwhile to give to people. So don't let their rejection diminish the value of what you have, the treasure that you have in your hands, in your heart, that you want to share with others. So extend that invitation. Just keep on extending our Lord's invitation, even if it's to, you know, you think about the description here in the parable, even if it's to what we can maybe call is society's so-called undesirable ones. Even if it falls into that kind of, well, you know, nobody wants to talk, go to that person or that person. Even if it's someone that is an undesirable one, invite them too. Invite everybody. That's the point. Because God looks at the heart of every soul. God looks at the heart of every living soul. He does not look at the outward handicaps in their life. And she think about what's described here. He says, go out to the poor and the crippled and the blind and lame. And he says, just go out everywhere. Basically, look in every nick and corner. Just just, find people and bring them in. Because I want my feast filled. I want my house full. And in conclusion, there in the same, same parable, I find it interesting. The New American version uses the word compel. That's a kind of a strong word. But in, in verse 23, when he sends them out again to find anybody and everybody that will come, he says, go out into the highways along the hedges and compel them to come, to come in so that my house may be filled. Now, the invitation is, you know, physical force has nothing to do with physical force. But we can use entreaty. We can try to use persuasion to constrain people to come and share in the Lord. And so that's what this parable teaches us. You know, the people who are going to be part of the kingdom may be people that we would have never expected to come. But they did. They came, and Jesus welcomed them because they gave their life to Jesus. So he said, but go out and share the invasion. If you have to compel them to come, you think about Christ's love is very compelling. The Apostle Paul, in our study in 2 Corinthians, uses that language in the fifth chapter. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, verse 15, he says, For the love of Christ controls us or compels us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. The love of Christ is compelling. So take that love to others because what you have outweighs anything and everything that this world has to offer. It's not about boasting about ourselves, but really it's about boasting of Christ. Boasting of the promise of Christ, boasting of the goodness that we have in Christ. The harvest of saving souls is great. And we just got to stay busy going out into those fields and doing what we can. And what we can do is invite people. Take the invitation to somebody and invite them to come and to share and to learn and to, and to come to know Jesus and partake of the Lord's spiritual feast. But when we come to the Lord, we must submit. We must submit to his cleansing power because he's the king and we're the ones in need. Do you believe Jesus to be the king? If you do, you need to obey him. If you truly believe Jesus to be the king, you need to submit to him. And it's only through that submission will you receive the gift of salvation, forgiveness, mercy, grace. All of that comes from a faith that's willing to do the king's will. If you believe Jesus be the Christ, why not tonight? Be baptized into him. Put on Christ in obedience to him and begin your life anew with him. Whatever your spiritual need may be, we invite you, encourage you, please come now and we stand and sing the song.